Elder Greg Harrell is bringing us the word. Can we show him our appreciation? Thank you so much. Well, good morning, church. Thank you. That's awesome. So we're just singing about Christ and me, the hope of glory. And actually, scripturally, the phrase appears in first or in Colossians, the first chapter of Colossians. And it actually reads, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when Paul writes those words in Colossians, he writes them and he says, this is a mystery of the Gentiles. So he doesn't give us revelation about those particular words. No, we have to go to another part of the word to understand exactly what does that mean? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I want you to turn with me, and we're going to go to what I call the glory chapter. It's the uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll be camped out there for the rest of the morning. Um, while you're turning there, I want to I want to just give you an explanation of this man, Paul, that writes these words. He actually explains himself in a passage in, in, in the third chapter of Philippians. He, he explains who he is. Um, actually, he explains who he was as Saul. And in that passage, what he says is, he says, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He says, I can trace my lineage back to Abraham. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, concerning the pursuit of the law, there is none more zealous than me. This guy, Paul or Saul then, has it going on. He says, as a matter of fact, he goes on and he says, even before the law, I'm blameless. I'm blameless before the law. This is the man whose words we're going to read about today. As a matter of fact, there's probably nobody in history that's been more religious than Saul of Tarsus. In honor of the youth, he's like the Jet Lee of religious guys. Okay? Um, his reputation is so significant that we see in the ninth uh, chapter of Acts that when Jesus goes to Ananias and says, Hey, Ananias, go down there. I want you to talk to, to Saul. I want you to lay hands on him and heal him, and then you can baptize him. And Ananias goes, Lord, this dude is bad news. He's a religious guy. And he's, you know, he's persecuting us. Jesus says, don't matter. Go on down there. So, anyway, what I want you to grab a hold of, and we're going to use it a little bit later, is the fact that this Paul who is writing these words has got it going on religiously. Understand that. Hold on to that. Let's go and um, look at Second Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll... We'll uh, read the first 11 verses, but before I read, I just want to i want to pray, if we could. So if you'd just join me in prayer before we go to the Word. Lord, I just thank you for this Word, Father, that, uh, that you have given us all to see, Father. 
And Lord, as I stand before your people, Father God, and explain some of your mystery, Lord, I just ask in, in the name of Jesus that you would use me, Father God, to, to, to clarify things, Father, and to speak your truth to your people, Lord. I don't want to, I don't want to use any Christianese. I just want to make it plain, Father. So use me, Father, in, in Jesus' name. And, and Lord, I pray for your people as well, Lord, and I ask that their ears would be open to hear what you have to speak to them this morning. And their hearts would be ready to receive the, the sufficiency that you preach through these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go through this real quick. And, and then I'll explain what's going on in this second chapter of, of uh, Corinthians here. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 3, do we begin to again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others... Epistles of condemnation or commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you. So epistles are just simply letters. In other words, a letter of referral. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on, on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious... What remains is much more glorious. There's a whole lot of glory going on down in there. A lot of glory. Glory, glory. Amen. See, what's going on here is Paul is actually responding to, to some, some people that have come into the church and that he established a few years earlier before he wrote this letter to, to the Corinthians. And he's responding to these people because what they've come in and they've told the, the church at Corinth is they've said, hey, Jesus probably wasn't God. And certainly Jesus is not sufficient to meet your needs. And Paul is responding to exactly that. As a matter of fact, it's a lot like what we got going on today, isn't it? 2,000 years later, we got the world telling us, hey, you know, maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Maybe he was a good guy, but he wasn't actually God. You know, maybe Jesus is not the answer. Maybe we need some humanistic thing going on. So we're responding to the same exact situation that Paul was responding to when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Do you get that? Understand that? I mean... 
Isn't that neat? The word of the Lord is living. And we see it in application and in use time and time and time again. It's awesome, the word. So let's, let's just pick up in, 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 in verses 1 and 2 where Paul says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of condemnation to you, or commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. So what Paul is saying is, hey, I was, I was down there in Corinth. God used me to start this church. He used me to get you guys going. And you're asking me for letters of con, uh, commendation, for, for referral letters? Because that's what they were asking for. They were saying, hey, can we get, you know, it's kind of like, it would be like us asking Pastor Allen, for a letter of referral because we're questioning him. And what Paul is saying is, hey, you all, your changed lives through Christ are my letter. Come on. Come on. All right? And then he shifts gears, and this is really important. He goes on in verse 3. He says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living but by the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart okay so what Paul is saying here is he's moving from okay you guys in Corinth you are my epistle but hey it goes beyond that, and this is what we're talking about today, and that is not only are you, the church, my epistle, your changed lives, a validation of what God has done in you through me, but Paul is now saying your lives, your very lives, your walk are epistles. You are an open book. Each one of you are an open book or a letter from God known by and read by other men. And so it is for us today. It's exactly the same thing. Our walk, our lives are literally an epistle, a letter written by God to the world, our changed lives. Christ working in us is an epistle. Amen. Get, look at it this way. Your life, your walk, may be the only Bible that a lot of people ever read. Whoa. Whoa. A lot of people are going to form their opinions about God by what they see in you. Well, that's, whoa. Your life, your walk, everything that you're doing day by day has the effect of turning people to God or, God forbid, turning people away from God because you are God's representative to this world. Okay? And, and, and so I'm saying that, and, and, and 
You might be thinking right now, whoa, that's a hard one, Greg. This is a hard one. You know, I don't, Greg, I, I don't feel like I can be God's letter to the world. I don't think that I'm qualified to do any of that stuff that you're, that you're ta- talking about right now. Man, I am not like Paul, for sure. Well, the, the, the awesome thing about the Word is that this passage continues on to tell us two things. These first 11 verses. The first thing that this passage continues on to tell us is the source of our strength and how we get our ability to be a letter from God to others. And that is Christ in me. Christ in me. And the second thing that it tells us in these 11 verses is it tells us the excellence, the superiority. I'm talking about the unsurpassed glory of the message that is being conveyed through us. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. Isn't that awesome? So God... So God, through Paul, tells us, hey, don't worry about it. I got this. I got this, guys. Amen. Amen. So let's look at um, verses 4 through the first part of uh, of verse 6. Paul continues on, and he says, And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. We'll stop right there. So Paul, remember we talked about Paul when we were getting started. He is the mighty Hebrew of the Hebrews. A Pharisee beyond reproach. This man is equipped. He's full of zeal and training and ability and desire to do the work of the law. And what he is saying in this passage here is, I was that person. I was, I was all that and more. You've never known anybody like me. You've never known anybody more prepared than I was to do the work of the law. And what Paul is saying is, nope, I'm laying it down because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm laying it down because unless God does the work, unless God is my sufficiency, none of that matters. None of my preparation matters. This is a huge deal for Paul to point this out. And he's responding directly to the people that are saying, hey, you know, Jesus is not all that. And what Paul is saying is, Jesus is all that because he's working in me. And he has changed me from that Pharisee, from that guy that, that, that looked at the letter of the law, and he has changed me into somebody that is a minister of love. Now, I'm not saying right here, and I want to I caution all of us to say, to, to, to be a, wary of the fact that Paul's not saying, you know, well, we're going to wait around, and we're going to let the Spirit do the work. We're just going to 
cool our heels, and let, you know, when the Spirit moves us, we're going to do our thing. That's not what God is saying here in this word at all. What Paul is doing is, as a matter of fact, he is, he is not waiting around. He's, he's moving, he's working, he's toiling. He's responding, he's battling. All pointing, and all of that work is pointing people to Christ working in him. Does that make sense? So I don't want, I don't want anybody to be confused that we're just going to wait around on the Holy Spirit to move, because we're not. What we're going to do is we're going to move, we're going to be engaged, but we're also going to know that the only sufficiency that we have is Christ. Amen. Amen. Ladies, uh, since we're talking about sufficiency um, in this passage, you all, a lot of you, just just finished a study by Dr. David Jeremiah, and the study was about living with confidence in a chaotic world, right? Yeah. Um, Paul, in this passage, is actually addressing exactly that. This is a big part of the answer. What he is saying is, our trust is in God. Our sufficiency is from God. Everything that we have, everything that we need that is good is from God. So our confidence in this chaotic world is truly from God. Does that make sense? Our peace is from God. The light that we bear to the world is not about ourselves. I'm not going to be a mighty evangelist unless God is using me. So everything that we say, everything that we do, the things that we need are from the Lord. I uh, want to tell you a quick testimony about a time where um, I was at the end of my rope, truly, end of my rope. I'd been transferred by the railroad, uh, the Union Pacific Railroad over into Salt Lake City, and and I can tell you that being a a Christian in Salt Lake City, a regular Christian, well, a Christian, in Salt Lake City, straight up, is a is it's tough duty. I think Salt Lake City is ninety plus percent Mormon. Okay. And my job when 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 the railroad sent me to Salt Lake City was to negotiate one of the biggest transporta- transportation contracts that that Union Pacific had ever negotiated with a company that was owned not just by Mormons. But it was owned by, well, the CEO and the president of this steel company were on the board of elders of the Mormon church. And I would go to see these guys. And when I would go down and negotiate this contract, what would happen was that <laughs> we would go into this room and there would be about, I mean, this was a Mormon company, no doubt about it. There would be about 40 Mormons sitting around this room. 
and me, sitting in a chair. And they would open up these meetings. It was pretty wild, like nothing you've ever seen. They'd open up these meetings with a, they would read from their Book of Mormon, and then they would pray. And, man, i got to tell you that while they're praying, I am praying in the Spirit. I don't know what they're saying, but by God, God knows what I'm saying during these times. And I was under tremendous pressure, tremendous pressure from the company. Like I say, that this was one of the largest contracts that Union Pacific had ever negotiated. And Marietta and I were members of this real small charismatic church. Of course, all charismatic churches in Salt Lake City are small. <laughs> And so the way that this would go down was I would go down to this from Salt Lake to Provo, which is not very far, and here's the way that it would go down. I'd get up in the morning, and I'd get dressed, and Marietta would come over and lay hands on me and pray her guts out. I mean, it was like, God, here he is. And... and and really, it was really a tough situation, tough, uh, a tough spiritual environment for all of us, Marietta and I. But during this period of time where I was at the end of my rope and I really had to get to a point where I was just counting on God every day. Marietta would pray. I'd, be, I'd feel at least refreshed enough to go ahead and go do what I had to do. But it was during this period of time that, that I had a secretary in my office that sat right outside my office in Salt Lake City at the de- at the railroad depot there, and her desk faced into to look at my my desk in my office, and one day I see her and she's looking at me, and I'm sitting at my desk and I'm doing what I've got to do and she's looking, and I'm kind of looking up and pretty pretty soon here it comes I know what's coming. She gets up from behind her desk, and she walks into my office, and she pulls up a chair. She actually closes the door, and I think, oh, this is not good. <laughs> and her name was Kathy, and she goes, Greg. I mean, she's almost whispering. The door's closed. Greg, i gotta, I got to ask you something. Okay, Kathy, ask me anything. She goes, Are you a Mormon? I said, why do you ask me that? She said, because I watch you and I see that you never curse. I see that you're full of joy. I see that you have some peace that I can't understand. And I said, Kathy, I'm a Christian. So it was this time where I'm literally at the end of my rope. I mean, I am beat, buffeted. Things are not good. But Christ is bearing me up. And because I'm at that place in my life, God is making himself known through me. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we pray for Kathy and her family. 
Maybe that was enough of a testimony, huh? Maybe. John the Baptist, when he was first cast his eyes upon the Messiah, he said, there he is. There he is. He's the one. I must decrease so that he may increase. And that's what we're talking about here today in this passage. Jesus said, you can't do anything without me. Straight up. Okay, Jesus, I got it. I can't do anything without you. I got it. I got it. So you see that Jesus is the source. And now Paul goes on and he talks about the message. And picking up in verse uh, 6 again, Paul says, Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for if the letter kills, but the for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. Because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Now that, when I read it, sounds pretty confusing. And we could, we could actually camp out in this passage and preach four or five sermons because there's so much going on here. But for today's sermon, we're just going to take away one thing from this little passage, and I want you to take it away. All that's being said here is Paul is talking about the ministry of the law in comparison with the ministry of the Spirit. That is, the ministry of the old versus the ministry of the new. Got it? Okay. Let me tell you how this works real quickly because sometimes this is a little bit hard to get a hold of. And you young people that are in here that just got back from camp, I want you to understand this. Um, I heard a story about a, a, a young man, and he lived in his father's house. And he, he uh, one day, I guess, the Lord just talked to him and said, you know, you don't show your father enough love. And so he resolved right then, he, he, he said, you know, that's right. I don't show my father enough love. I think this, you know, when my dad goes away to work today, I think what I'll do is I'll, you know, he's not telling me to do anything, but I'm going to wash the car and I'm going to mow the yard. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to show him that I love him. And so they're at breakfast that morning and he's got these big plans and his dad comes down, and they have breakfast together. And as, as they're eating breakfast, his dad says, you know, son, tell you what, why don't you do this? You know, while I'm down at work today, what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and wash the car. And I want you to mow the yard. 
And I'm real, I really want you to do this. Would you? And, of course, the son's answer is truly, because he loves his dad, the son's answer is, yeah, I'll do it, dad. But what happened was the joy that he had when it was pure love motivating him kind of was stolen away. Does that make sense? And this is a this is a close analogy to what we're talking about here. The ministry of the law, yes, delivered in love because God wanted to provide a framework for a relationship that he could have with us. But it was the law versus the ministry of the Spirit where God has actually sent his Son to die for us and said, you know what, I love you no matter what. And every time I look at you, I'm looking at you through the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And this is the message that we bear today to the world. Not the ministry of the law. Not the, which the, the ministry of the law can't help but at least raise a little rebellion in man. Okay, But what Paul is saying here is, I want to compare the law, which truly was glorious. But I want you to preach the, impo- the incomparable glory of Christ Jesus. Okay, The law, which condemned us, versus the ministry that each and every one of you have, a ministry of righteousness, that word righteousness just means, just here, here's how we can use it. It just means the, the ministry of your worth, your worth, your personal worth in the eyes of the Lord. He loved you so much that he sent his son for you. What, a, what an awesome ministry that is. Amen? The law that does awaken that that sense of rebellion in man versus the ministry that we have today that we show to the world, a ministry of love, born out of love, in response to the love that was shown to us by God through Christ Jesus. It's a love ministry that we bear today. I'm going to end right there, actually. I'm going to call Shake and the, and the Gen Praise team back up here. And I want them to sing that refrain again, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And as we sing that song together, as we sing that song together, I want each and every one of us to be thinking about Areas that we need to rely more on God for. Maybe you need more peace. Maybe you need more love. The cool thing is that that God has it for you. And when you get to that point, then you become, and you walk out of here, you walk out of here, that hope of glory to the world. And so as we sing this song and we think about that, I also want you to be thinking about one other thing, and that is 
individuals, specific individuals, where you feel like if, if God can just use me, that you can show God's love to that person. And I, I want you to just make note of that. And when you leave here today, I want you to know that you are bearing this mighty message of love. And you may be the only person that can take that message to that individual. Not a burden. Not a burden. Not a burden. God's going to do it for you. God's going to do it through you. So after we get done singing this song, I'm going to have Pastor Allen come up, and he'll bless us and dismiss us. And I just thank you for your time. Christ in me, Christ in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Be my Testament was glorious. The, the receiving of the law was glorious. On one occasion, Moses glowed to the point people didn't want to look at him. And the, and the rest of the chapter that we read said that Moses put a veil on his face so people wouldn't see the glory that was passing away. So as long as he, he wore the veil, People still respected him like he was glowing, even, even though each day he was glowing less and less and less. And so what had been present and real eventually became pretense. Eventually just became a form. But in Christ, the veil is taken away. There is no more pretense. There's no pretending that we have glory. We have Christ in us who is the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. And I'm so grateful for our worship team and for the awareness of the presence of God they bring us to, don't they? I, I, it's just, 
It's like every Sunday just bills and bills. Every song, like, oh, that's my favorite song they do. Oh, no, that, that's my favorite song they do. But with the awareness of the presence of God is an awareness. His presence is already here. Amen? It's not like we're working ourselves up into, okay, God's going to come now because we're praising Him. It, it opens us up to the awareness of His presence. But, and we'll leave here, and my prayer is that we are aware of His presence 24-7. But you know what? There may be a day when you don't feel, when you're not quite as aware as you are at 10 a.m. on Sunday. But Christ is still in you, and He is still the sufficient one in you, and you still have the hope of glory in Him, regardless of how you feel. Amen. As charismatics, we've got to be people of the Word who do not live by their feelings. Enjoy the feelings. But we don't live by them. We live by the Word. Amen. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Peace that comes from understanding that surpasses your understanding but peace that comes from understanding that you are sufficient in Christ. You are in Christ and Christ is in you and nothing can separate you and I from His love. Amen. Go and show His love everywhere you go. And when necessary, use words. Amen. Be my everything. God in my living, there in my breathing, God in my waking. God in my sleeping, God in my resting, there in my working, God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything. Be my everything, be my everything, be my everything. God in my hope, God in my hope. 